welcome to the Made to Lead podcast, a show where we tell the personal and professional stories of amazing people of African descent who are leading in their own way. I'm your host, Aziz Garuba, and on each episode, I interview a dynamic individual and discuss their achievements, challenges, dreams, and aspirations, and the lessons they've learned along the way. These candid conversations are meant to showcase their superb talents and leadership philosophies with the hope that inspires you because you were also made to lead. If you're listening for the first time, I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show. Also visit our website, madetolead.co, for more information about each episode. All right, we're uh, back on the Made to Lead show, and today with me, I've got Bo Saki. Uh, Bo, I've known for quite a long time, uh, and he's a seasoned business professional. He's got about over 15 years uh, of management consulting and project management experience, uh, having worked for companies like Accenture, Deloitte, and PwC, uh, and running projects with Fortune 500 companies across different industries, from banking to finance, uh, telecoms, manufacturing, and retail. Um, and he's got experience as well with system implementations, outsourcing, um, and providing practical strategic roadmaps uh, for companies. Uh, Bo uh, has a Bachelor of Commerce from Carleton University. He's got an MBA uh, from Queen's University. We're actually both in the same MBA class. Uh, and he's also a project management professional uh, and, and focuses on design thinking. Um, his latest venture is Plendify. So uh, he started Plendify a few years ago, and right now it is uh, a company that is designed to be the trusted B2B marketplace, uh, connecting suppliers and business buyers across Ghana. Uh, he's currently in Ghana at the moment and joins us on the show. So welcome, Bo. Aziz, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank Excellent. you very much. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so let, let's talk about Plendify first. So how did you how did you start this company? Like, what was the idea behind uh, going off on your own and in, into entrepreneurship and 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 ultimately moving back to Ghana from from Canada? Well, that's a that's a, a good question, Aziz. And I think um, growing up, my parents were both uh, um, they, had, they had their own companies and their own businesses, and so I knew that the path for me down the line was obviously to become an entrepreneur um, once you have the right timing and the right team. So I, I, I kind of knew that at some point I wanted to venture on my own. Um, with Plantify, I think it was born out of the passion for, for helping, you know, those who own their own companies. Uh, if you think about small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs as we call them, um, helping them to really elevate themselves, helping them to really think about how do they maximize, you know, inputs and produce more outputs. How do we get them to think about creating more jobs and really helping to lift up economies across Africa? As you know, um, around the world, in most countries, um, economies are powered by SMBs, right? They form the bulk of, of enterprises in countries, and they really help to, you know, move the needle across on GDP. But in Africa, we, we're having a, a case where, you know, these companies tend to be, you know, very small. They don't tend to scale. They don't tend to employ more than a person or two. So, so really, I think my vision or my team's vision was how do we empower SMEs to become better at what they do, create more jobs, and obviously help on a macroeconomic level to lift up these economies um, 
and, and make them, you know, more progressive. And in fact, Plantify, um, the B2B marketplace was a pivot. You know, originally our goal was to do a fintech. And, and so pretty much myself and my two co-founders, Michael and Roger, um, began toying with the idea of building a fintech that would allow us to lend working capital to SMEs uh, in Ghana and, mm. you know, eventually across Africa as well. Um, down the line, we faced some, ch- some challenges to do with, um, you know, local um, re- regulations and such. And so we had to do a pivot. And so we felt almost like with the FinTech, um, it was kind of hard to control our own destiny. And if you want to be successful, you know, on your own business, it's best if you can control your own destiny, at least to an extent. And so we felt like with the marketplace, again, the, the whole theme of helping companies connect, right, and trade. So obviously having a B2B marketplace, right, business to business, uh, suppliers and buyers, again, in the realm of commerce, not consumer, right? And so think about, for example, how do we help, say, for example, you own a restaurant, you're looking to maybe buy some cutlery or some napkins in bulk. Where where do you go to find a supplier for that kind of um, thing that you need? And so we said to ourselves, look, currently it's either you ask a friend or somebody you know, and more often than not, the quality you expect isn't there. So how do we build something that is trusted and allows people to connect to basically ask for quotes, um, get pricing all in one space and, and really, you know, trade and do work together basically as a business. That was how the idea was born. Again, the theme is helping, you know, uh, enterprises become better enterprises. And so that was our way of allowing that to happen. Nice. And and you, so you you've you've moved back to Ghana and and you've done that after after spending you know a significant amount of time outside of the country, um, here in Canada, um, going to school, working, building your career. How did you find the transition? Um, first of all, actually, what was the motivation to say, okay, I think I'm ready to to get back onto the continent? And then, how did you find the transition uh, upon arriving? Yeah, so what happened was, I think, you know, when I left Canada, I, I, as you said, right, I grew up, I grew up in Accra, but um, a slight backtrack is I was born in the UK, born in London, England, and um, at the age of three, my parents were living at the time uh, in Nigeria, so I lived a bit in Lagos, about a year or so, and then moved to Canada at the age of five, uh, where I lived to about the age of 18. And in that time, I was, you know, normal kid growing up in in a middle class family in in Accra, and essentially, you know, going through school. And um, after senior high school, um, I was uh, 17 years old. And at the time, the local um, colleges here had a backlog of about two years, and so we had to pretty much wait at home for two years without going into university. So oh, wow. my parents said to my it was to me that, you know, I definitely can't stay home for two years doing nothing. So, you know, what are my options? And and so I think together we said, how about I try a different country and, and see if I can, you know, continue my, my uh, education that way. So I, I went to where I was born, the UK, and I went to a boarding school in uh, Essex 
and uh, it was a it was a you know a traditional boarding school, um, and it was my first exposure, you know, as an as a you know teen slash almost adult, um, you know, living on my own, making new friends from different countries, and and that's that sort of thing. Um, I got into university in the UK, um, but I just didn't like the um, way that I, I perceived the country to be. It wasn't very progressive, in my opinion, at the time. Again, I may be wrong. Everyone has their, you know, thoughts about that. But um, I felt like being in North America would be better for me as an individual and also for my goals and career and aspirations. Right. So I, I transferred to a college um, in the U.S. It was called Concordia College. It was in uh, cold Minnesota in a very small town called Moorhead, which was very close to uh, Fargo, North Dakota. And I was there for about a year studying economics. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think although I was having a great time there, I didn't really quite gel or fit in. So it was time for me to move again. And I was like, okay, now my folks are like, okay, you went to the UK first and now you leave, left there to go to the US. Now you want to leave the US again and go, and go where else, right? So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I understand. It's, 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 uh, it's not easy to basically be moving around like that, right, at a very young age. But I had a friend who was, at the time, attending Carlton University in Ottawa. And I was, you know, confiding in her about how much I, I, I didn't really enjoy where I was in the US. And she said, how about you transfer over here? So, you know, I did and, and I got in and there's this history. I've been in Canada for the last 18 years. Well, up until when I moved to Ghana in December, 2019, I was in Canada for, uh, yeah, 18 years. Um, did my undergrad at Carlton. I got a degree in uh, commerce honors, uh, after four years, and then basically just stayed because I think that was the place that I felt the most at home. I made amazing friends. I had, a great education and, and that's why I pretty much, uh, stayed there. So it's been my second home or should I say first home until I moved back to Ghana mm. and coming back to Ghana. I think I always knew that at some point I'll come back home. It's just a matter of when and, and in what condition, right? So I had a few things that I wanted to accomplish before I moved back home. Um, you know, one being obviously going to university, getting my degrees to, um, working as well, getting some good, solid working experience, right? Understanding, you know, um, um, obviously making good career choices, um, working hard, really becoming a professional in the way I thought about work, um, work ethic, um, you know, hard work, working smart, and just learning, really, really learning about um, industry. And so, if, and like I said before, before the show started, I was, um, my, my, my wife and I, back in 2015, we said to ourselves, okay, what's, what's our plan for the next five years? And we said to ourselves, okay, the next five years, we want to, you know, accomplish a few things. One of them being moving back home mm-hmm. in 2020. And in fact, we like put down in our diaries that we'll move back by June uh, 2020, which is, you know, in a few weeks from now, but uh, we came home uh, in December 2019, and and in hindsight, obviously with COVID 19, it, it seems like it was a perfect move to make at the time we did that. So that's kind of you know 
how that worked out, which we're very thankful for. So, like I said, I mean, I knew I was going for a purpose, right? I was going to get educated, uh, work, learn all that, learn, learn all that I could learn in that time I was gone, and just grow as a person, as a, as a, as as me, and and then come back and, and contribute to my quota to my country's uh, journey. Amazing, amazing, and you know, moving to all of these different countries, um, and and you were moving, you know, almost by yourself, right? Because it wasn't like your parents moved with you to the UK or to the US or, or to Canada. How did you find uh, your your transition? How did you find dealing with um, sometimes the loneliness of being in a new place all by yourself, having to figure things out uh, compared to um, other people that, let's say, were born in this country or had immigrated as a whole family with all their siblings all at the same time? How, how was that for you? Listen, it was tough, man. I've slept in airports countless times. I've slept on floors countless times. I mean, I think it's all part of, you know, building you up, right? Mm-hmm. So you're right. It was it was a tough journey. It was lonely at times. But I think what helps is is friends. You know, you make you 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 do you go out to these countries and you're you're in class and somebody, you know, and you gel you guys start talking, you might have similar backgrounds. So like, okay, this person seems pretty cool, I, you know, and just go from there, right? But I think friends become your new family, right? So, you know, obviously I met you in Ottawa, right? So, you know, guys like yourself and, you know, people that we met back in the day in, 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 in Carlton, Ottawa, they become your support system, right? But uh, over time, you, you tend to learn how to, you know, manage uh, yourself, uh, manage your finances, manage your time, manage, you know, the way you do things. And, and over time, you get more experienced and then you basically overcome those challenges of, you know, being away from home. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's funny because when, when I left Ghana to go to the UK, at the time, I was sending my parents letters by mail, you know, or they were writing <laughs> by mail. And wow. now I'm thinking, if it was happening now, it'd be like a WhatsApp chat or something, you know. So I've kind of seen the way we've evolved, right? And even those times, I remember in Ottawa, for example, going on a trip to like Toronto, we'll go out and print, you know, MapQuest uh, directions, <laughs> yeah, and then put it and then put it in the passenger seat, you know, next to you, and, and, and kind of look at it to kind of go, get to where you're going, right? Now we have, you know, all these apps that take us from point A to point B. So it's just nice to see the way that we've evolved over the last, you know couple decades yeah yeah and you've also had a unique perspective in in terms of that evolution uh with within your own career having worked in, in management consulting for for quite some time um what are some of the interesting things that actually first of all why did you decide to get into into consulting as a career um and what are some interesting projects that that you were able to work on that has that gave you i guess the insights to say okay i think I'm ready to do something by myself um, and then, you know, ultimately jump into, to start Plendify. Yeah. So consulting, I think was the best thing I could do for myself. I think uh, I'm naturally curious. I, I love to learn. I love to know about different things. And so that for me was a big draw. Obviously it pays well and obviously they take care of the people. Um, and, and so that thing about myself, fit with that industry or that kind of work very, very well. Um, so consulting for me was because, one, you, you're always on a new project, you're with a new team, 
you're learning new things about new industries, new companies, you know, what affects your bottom line. And I was always within the technology groups at these consulting firms. I mean, I knew back then that technology would definitely be the way of the future. So being in those groups really helped me to understand, you know, how things will play out um, in the next couple of years from now, next decade from now. And so I was happy to be in that kind of group. Um, and then, like I said before, right, you're always learning, you're always figuring out new things. You're always trying to understand, you know, a client's challenges and how best you could bring about solutions. And so I think in a, in a funny way, I like solving problems. I like solving challenges. And I think if you like those things and you like to learn, then consulting will be a, a great path for you uh, career-wise. And then in terms of what I've worked on, I've worked on many exciting things. I think uh, one that stands out for me was when we helped uh, TV Bank um, a couple of years ago with a Basel, a Basel requirement. Uh, it was about a 16-month-long project with over 200 resources on the project. I was part of the PMO team managing, managing basically um, our, our consultants on that, on that on that initiative and to your point about doing things that are transformative, that was transformational because, you know, it was for the whole enterprise, right? So every line of business was, you know, uh, impacted and we had to basically manage all the puzzle pieces of ensuring that, you know, from start to finish, we're basically moving, you know, um, in line and, and accomplishing the chief risk officer of the bank's um, um, objectives, basically make TV a compliance bank you right. know, at the time. Um, some banks around the world were, you know, identified as being globally systemic, globally systemically important banks, right? Or GSIPs, as they as they as they refer to them uh, casually. Right. And TV being a GSIP had to comply with this regulation, and so being on that team and helping to accomplish that was obviously very fulfilling. Um, also, too, I worked um, on a very exciting one um, work uh, with Loblaws, uh, uh, Loblaws. Companies Limited, uh, which is owned by the Western family, as I'm sure you know. And and at the time, they were looking to outsource their whole supply chain function um, to uh, India. And similarly, I was on that team uh, helping, helping to basically, you know, outsource a whole function or a whole department. So, for example, when you see on the shelves, for example, like, you know, uh, groceries or like produce on the shelves in Canada, those items were ordered by people in India, which I found very fascinating because obviously they have to kind of learn about, you know, what Canadians like, what they tend to order, and then obviously how to order it so that it's on the shelf. And, and people might, you know, obviously shop in grocery stores not knowing that the order for these things that you're buying were placed in a faraway country. Again, at the time, it was a very big thing to outsource a whole function or business process. So BPO is where that comes from. And it was a huge deal at the time. You know, it was a you know a big cost takeout, and so we were able to save a lot of money, a lot of loss as a company, on that particular um, work. Uh, and there, there have been many others as well that I've done that have been pretty interesting that I think I could I could mention also. Yeah. But uh, uh, how this all has been to plentify. So if you recall, like I said before, you know, growing up, my parents were you know were their own employees, I guess. They had their own companies. And so I knew at some point that would also be what I ended up doing. I find it, I find it fulfilling. It's not for those with um, 
with uh, risk aversion, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be very challenging to start your own company, not knowing how you're going to pay your staff or pay yourself. But um, if you get it right, it's very fulfilling. It's very exciting. And I think I'm naturally built that way to to basically, you know, try and figure things out. Like, like I said, you know, solve a problem, figure out how to, how to, how to be creative um, when you have little money, how to be resourceful right? And, and how to basically, you know, do things every day that are incremental that you don't see happening, but you know, in totality, you're doing a lot, but it looks like very minute. For example, planting a seed in the ground, right? And then like check it to see, okay, has it grown yet? Mm. Has it grown yet? You know, is, is it coming out? Like what's, what's happening? Right. And it's like nothing. And the one day you wake up and you're like, Oh, there it's a tree. Is, right? So it's the same thing with also starting a company is it's exactly tree, right? So it's the same thing, right? You, you stop like, you know, year one, year two, year three, nothing. And then by, you know, year four, you start seeing some, some sprouting happen. So I think that is something that I enjoy. And so it, it fitted very well with Plendified. But one thing I want to add, though, is that um, it's one thing to have an idea but the, I think the biggest thing to help you make any idea reality is your team. Right. I think even beyond money is having the best team or the right team for that venture because with a good team around, around you're able to overcome any challenges with creativity and resourcefulness. Brilliant, man. And, and congratulations on, on this venture. We, you know, we, we, we both know that, you know, the, 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 mental fortitude required to just, you know, go out on your own is, is pretty high and, and doing that, um, you know, at the peak of your career, uh, uh that, that's a, a very, very bold move. Um, and, and yeah, no, I, uh, good luck with, with growing this and I'm sure it's going to be quite successful. Um, Thank I just want to pivot. Thank you very much. I just want to pivot a little bit and, and, and let's talk about your, um, uh, influential people in your, in your life. Um, cause you know, with, with your experience, I'm sure you, you've met a bunch of interesting leaders, a bunch of interesting mentors. Um, who are some key ones that you can talk about and what impact did they have on your life in terms of, um, getting you towards defining your own, uh, leadership philosophy? Yeah. So that's a, that's a big, big one. Um, so I think growing up, my biggest, obviously influences were my parents, right? you know, seeing how they encouraged me, my siblings every day, um, helping us um, to basically, you know, do the right thing and really instilling in us a family family values around, you know, being honest, around around generosity. So those are my, I think, my key formative um, influences definitely my parents, and then also to my, my grandfather and my grandmother. So my grandfather was um, a former Chief Justice of Ghana, former um, Chief Justice of Ghana, and, and uh, he would always tell me, you know, just do your best, right? Hmm. And I never quite understood what that meant at that age, you know, five, six years old, just do your best. But I think now I think what it meant was, you know, if you do your best at anything, at least you can sleep at night knowing that you did your best. But if you don't do your best and you just do a you know a half-hearted job, then it might you know end up weighing on your mind or weighing on your conscience a bit. So that's what I, I kind of get now from that message of doing your best. And then my grandmother, I would say, 
she was my she was my probably my first uh, finance uh, teacher who, who told me, you know, or who, or who always used to say, you know, if you go a borrowing, you go a sorrowing, hmm. right? That's like a favorite quote to tell me all the time. So I, I guess to that point, it's all about you know. Um, managing your debt, right? Not to borrow if you don't have to, you know, save for things that you want to acquire or buy. And, and obviously now after reading books, after going to school, you know, I kind of understand, you know, good debts and bad debts. And so obviously she meant, you know, if you have to have debts, let it be good debts and, and not bad debts. So don't don't borrow for consumption, you know, borrow to invest or that's, that's that sort of thing. And so those those two were also, you know, pretty, pretty key in helping me understand how to, grow and to be into a leader right and then career-wise i've had quite, quite a few people that i look up to you know i work for example one of them is um a guy named uh puru um um and, and he i like the way he led you know with empathy and and you know compassion he was a very strong mentor of mine in many ways he, he, he's now with tv bank um uh, doing well over there as well but then obviously you know through through looking at people from history, right? You know, you think about Nelson Mandela and, and how he led, obviously, to forgiveness and, and not being vindictive. You know, Abraham Lincoln, you know, and, and people like um, Churchill as well, you know, having a conviction to do what you think is right. So I think all these people that have been both in my life personally and, you know, obviously through, through history have influenced how I look at leadership as well. And so, for example, Personally, I, I don't, I don't ask anyone to do anything I wouldn't do myself. Mm. Right, that's one my, my biggest um, leadership uh, ways of thinking is if I ask you to do anything, it means that I do myself as well. So um, I, I like to be with my team the trenches. I don't, I don't think above anything. Um, so that's one thing. And also, um, I believe in having a team around you, you know, you, you don't want to be the, the emperor with no clothes, right? So you want to have a, a small team around you that's, that can basically help shape how you make decisions as well. Um, and and those have really shaped how, how I lead it. And lastly, I think the biggest example for me as a leader will be, will be Jesus Christ. Um, you know, as a Christian, um, I, I, I look at the way he led the 12 disciples, I look at how he served them. And so I think if you look at all of that, I think my natural skill is to be a servant leader, right? Is to ask, you know, how can I help you versus, you know, how can you help me? And also, like I mentioned before, you know, if you own your own company, for example, you have to think about paying others before you pay yourself. So mm-hmm. these are always that have shaped the way I lead. I tend to lead with empathy, leading with compassion, you know, having a team around that I can, rely on to help me make the best decisions and just really serving people. That's fantastic. Um, you're always, you're only as good as the people around you, which, which lends itself to, to having a good team of individuals uh, uh, working with you and supporting you as well. And, and yeah, I love that concept about being a servant leader. Um, you know, having that attitude of service always helps um, uh, get other people behind you and knowing that you're going to be with them in the trenches um, uh, is also motivating as well. Um, so the last question I'll ask is, uh, you know, how are you uh, giving back? Um, in, in, in what ways are you currently giving back, whether it's to the community or to, to young people? Uh, what's that looking like in your world? 
Um, I, I love giving back financially. It's part of my natural ways, I guess. Um, so I give to like charities that I believe in their causes. I, I give to Christian charities. I also big. I'm also a big um, believer in in um, in um, good healthcare and good education. And so I tend to give as well financially to those to those types of you know causes. So anything to do with you know uh, Christianity, education, and healthcare, I'm I'm very big on. But also my, my time, I, I love to volunteer. I love to also mentor people, um, you know, in any way I can. And so for like people that are younger than myself, I'm always you know um, I basically you know help them with my experiences to basically avoid. Um, any costly mistakes. Um, and so that's kind of the way I tend to look at giving back. Um, you know, I also, you know, before I moved to Ghana, I was, was serving as an usher uh, at, the, at my family's church in, in Toronto. So giving of time, giving of resources, giving of, of, um, of, of advice is how I tend to look at giving back, um, personally speaking. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Bo. This, this has been wonderful. Um, and just before, um, just before we go, uh, we're just going to get into a, uh, a rapid fire session. Uh, so I'm going to ask you uh, what I do with all my guests, uh, five questions. Oh boy. Uh, and okay. you've got to just give me your, your, your best answer uh, within five seconds or so. Uh, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> all right. So uh, what book are you currently reading? I am reading, okay, I'm reading again, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Okay, cool. Um, and what would you say is your favorite productivity hack or tool? I love um, hmm, Google Hangouts. <laughs> nice. Very good. Uh, what would you say is your favorite place to escape to? It'll be a beach for sure. Cool. Um, who would you say is your biggest cheerleader or supporter? My wife. My, uh, my amazing wife awesome. is my biggest cheerleader. And, and I love her so much because she's right there with me uh, through it all. Like with you in the trenches. <laughs> she's um, with me in the trenches side by side, you know, just shoveling along, man. Shoveling along. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Definitely her. Definitely her. Yeah. And the last one, if money or resources were not an issue, what would you do? What would I do? Um, I'll build a, I'll build a school. I think I'll build a school in Ghana, right? A school that will basically empower the youth to take into their hands their own destiny to rethink um, the way they think about things today and to have a, a, a more bold a more positive a more fulfilling mindset so right? that's kind of my thing is mindset is, is really key yeah I think that, that would be that so build, building a school excellent cool so Bo, thank you very much for joining us uh, on the show today, uh, all the way from Ghana. Uh, wish you the best with Plendify uh, and also with you know uh, your endeavors in Ghana and and your um, also your goals to to develop uh, and influence all across Africa because we know that as well that you're you're also made to lead. Um, so yeah, you know, thank you for being here with us. Aziz, thank you very much. 
I hope I was helpful in some way and I, I'm very thankful for this opportunity and I uh, wish you the best as well. You're, you're a, a, a great guy and uh, I wish you all the success in the world. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome, buddy. Take care. Ciao. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Made to Lead. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please share with others. Also take a moment to leave a review as well. This helps us improve and also get discovered by others. You can also support by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show, and by visiting our website, madetolead.co. If you would like to be featured or know an amazing person of African descent whose story would be inspirational to others, I'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, madetolead.co slash getfeatured, and send us a note. As you continue on your own leadership journey, remember that if you don't spread your wings, you'll never know how high or how far you can fly. So stretch your feathers, because you were made to lead. <laughs>